This program is brought to you by the Assembly of Geeks, geek content for a geeky world. Visit us at assemblyofgeeks.com. This episode is all about Princess Leia. Inevitably then, this episode is all about Carrie Fisher too. Carrie left behind a legacy nearly as big as her personality, and the impact she had on fans worldwide is no small feat. This episode is dedicated to all the fans out there who are inspired by the princess and her custodian. To us, she'll always be royalty. Welcome to Sky Talkers This Galactic Life. Here are your hosts, Charlotte and Caitlin. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Charlotte. Hey, guys. I'm your other host, Caitlin. Um, and today, this whole episode is going to be all about Leia. Leia. Princess <laughs> Leia. But first, how are you doing, Caitlin? It's been two weeks since we've last spoken on the podcast. So what's up? Um, I really think the biggest thing that's happened is obviously Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman. Wonder yes. Woman. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Without a doubt, Wonder Woman. <laughs> I saw it again for the second time last night, and it was so good. I know. It's I'm just so, so good. I'm so jealous. I really want to see it again, like now. Why are we recording right now? <laughs> I know. I know. I want to see it again, too. Um, oh, I just I can't even express how much I loved that movie. Me too. You know, it was, I, oh, I mean, we've talked about it on our Twitter. I just, I don't have words for it. Really, it's hard to artic- articulate how great it is to see a female superhero like Wonder Woman on the big screen. Yeah, for sure. And I don't think I realized how much it would affect me, you know? Yeah. Yeah, me neither. It, it was like the movie ended and I was like, oh my gosh, I feel like that movie was made for me. It's mm-hmm. so crazy. And how I think a female director and a female star and someone who is such a well-rounded character who, you know, she loves ice cream and babies and also <laughs> loves to kick ass. Like, it's awesome. It and, is. And she's so vulnerable. I love it. I loved that movie. And it makes me want a female director even more, even though that's like huge on my list for Star Wars. And I'm I'm ready for it. And I don't know if Patty it has Jenkins. to be. <laughs> I, I love Patty Jenkins doing this movie. I don't know if it has to be Patty Jenkins. Like, I think there's probably a huge wealth of oh, yeah. amazing female directors to be chosen. But she clearly did an amazing job. And I think that we would be really lucky to have her in Lucasfilm. We would be so lucky to have her. I just, oh, just, and then we got to talk about Gal Gadot. Gadot, did I say that right? I think it's Gadot. Gadot? I don't know. Like, New York Times did an article and they said, pronounce Gadot. And, but then on interviews, it says Gadot. Yeah, I don't both. get it. I don't, me neither. Okay, so Miss Gal, um, <laughs> <laughs> she, the way she played all of the layers of Wonder Woman between, you know, her love of babies and ice cream to her naivete about, like the world at large, <laughs> like the world of man and not really understanding what was going on and all these things like the rotating door, those comedic bits. But then like having those heart to heart conversations with Steve Trevor about humanity and what that mm-hmm. means to be human and, and the good versus evil and and are humans innately good or evil, like how all that works. 
She did such an amazing job. I bought everything on that screen Me from too. her. From really from all the characters, honestly. Um, you know, she's she's from the same part of Israel that Natalie Portman is. And no, I, I didn't swear know that. they look Nothing in the water. Re- they look really similar. Like they have similar jawlines and I, I I don't know. Like obviously I love Natalie Portman, so <laughs> I love Gal Gadot too. Gal Gadot. How are we supposed to say this name? I don't Wonder know. Woman. We love Wonder <laughs> yeah, Woman. Wonder Woman. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, we should probably jump right into Star Wars. Yeah. Yeah. That's why we're here. That is why we're here. <laughs> and today, like we said, we're going to be talking all about our favorite princess from the Alderaan system, Princess Leia Organa Solo. <laughs> yes. General. <laughs> general. Yes. Crap. Uh, <laughs> I know. I'm trying to transition to calling her general more. All because of her, all of her titles, like <laughs> yeah. general, princess, Leia, Organa, Mrs. Solo. just everything all at once yeah (laughs) literally everything yeah um okay so in part one we have a very special interview with Annalise Ophelian from the Looking for Leia documentary it's really great you're definitely going to want to listen to that one and in part two we're going to be tackling the hard topic about Leia's recasting in episode nine if it's a thing that should be done or or not And in part three, we're going to be talking about Leia outside the film within canon. So without further ado, let's get started. So who talks first? You talk first? I talk first. So today on the podcast, we are very lucky because we have a very special guest, Dr. Annalise Ophelian of the Looking for Leia documentary film. Welcome to the show, Annalise. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, thank you so much for being on the show. We, I know we talked to you at Celebration for a little bit for your film, but it's so great to catch up with you again here on our podcast now. Yeah. I'm happy to get, I know, it's nice to hear your voices again. Of course, I, we were <laughs> editing this clip, so I've been listening to your voices and seeing you since Celebration. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> but only in this, like, virtual form, because you were kind enough to let me interview you briefly um, at that event, so... It's, it's nice to get to have a little um, real-time interaction. Thanks. That was so fun. That was one of the highlights of Celebration for us. And it's very special for Caitlin to be included in the voiceover of the little clip that you released over Twitter. That that clip really made me cry. It was so beautiful. Oh, thank you. Um, yeah, it, it was really it was really great. There were such emotions. I don't think I really knew what to expect from the film. Um, honestly, because I, I mean, obviously we'd heard about it a little bit, but just kind of starting to see your vision coming to life through the trailer, it, it was really cool. Um, and it, it made me really excited for, to see the completed product. Yeah. Definitely. We're excited to see it too. I always say like, people are like, I can't wait to see your film. I'm like, <laughs> I can't wait to see my film. <laughs> you know, but as you, as you get, as I get interviews and I'm talking with women, um, yeah, it's just so exciting to hear what folks have to say. And so much of the film itself emerges from what people say. You can't really go into it with like a, an agenda, or at least I don't go into it with an agenda. I go into it with an open-ended question. So yeah, we love talking with you at Celebration. We loved what everyone had to say. And it's been so great having such a overwhelmingly positive response to that trailer. It's been really, really nice to get that feedback. That's awesome. Um, I was wondering if you could start telling us a little bit about the film for people who aren't that familiar with it and what inspired you to go about doing this project. You bet. So Looking for Leia is a documentary, feature-length documentary film about the girls and women of Star Wars fandom. Um, And the 
impetus behind the project actually was when I went to my first celebration, which was the 2015 celebration in Anaheim. And this was the celebration right before Force Awakens came out. So in in ways, it was sort of the last really nice hybrid of the Mm -hmm. folks who've been going to celebrations all these years, even in the absence of new movies, and folks who have started going to celebration because suddenly we have all this like new, amazing material to be to fan out over. Uh, And I went because I've been to like various, you know, geek cons in the past, Mm -hmm. expecting to be, you know, adrift in a sea of um, nerd boys. And that's a familiar space for me in these Mm -hmm. kinds of settings. And I was really taken aback by how many more women there were there than I was anticipating. And also just by the way that the event itself felt really like it was for me. Um, everything from, and I, you know, I love the way that Lucasfilm and Reed Pop have worked together to create this like amazing anti-harassment policy. Like the moment I walked in the door, I was like, oh, they're really thinking about this. And the way that women were full participants and the conversations I was having in line. Um, and actually it started in the airport, right? Like at SFO <laughs> on my way down, I met my first female Star Wars friend who I maintained a friendship with, Linda Raj, uh, Raj Hansen, who is um, a writer for Fangirl Blog and for starwars.com now that's awesome and wow we made and then she became my like my celebration buddy and we <laughs> you know kind of got to like you know hang out and have all these great like reconvenings in the bars so at the end of that experience i was like wow there are so many more not just like women but also like women my age who are huge star wars fans and can have the like 7 hour long conversations in line about mm-hmm. all of the like star wars ephemera and it really got me thinking about what girls and women in fandom are about, what those stories are about, and also how interesting it is that we've not actually had projects that focus on that fandom in particular. Um, and so that was, that was the genesis of it. And, and as I kept thinking about it, there was also the sense, and then of course the new films came out and we learned that Ray was in fact the protagonist of The Force Awakens. And then we got Jen Erso and um, I'm a, you know, a big Clone War and Clone Wars and Rebels fan and and the way that the women characters in those animated series were are so consistently strong and so consistently engaged with each other so the material kept becoming um, really like accessible and fabulous for you know fans of all gender orientations mm-hmm. but really strong and fabulous for women um, and so I would say like within that first 18 months after that first celebration I, I had this thought of, all right, I, I feel like at some point it'd be amazing to do a project on Star Wars fandom. Um, and that that was the the thing that kind of, and, and I honestly, I kept waiting for someone else to make it. I kept thinking, well, I'm going to have this idea. <laughs> and then some like fabulously well-funded, you know, corporate entity is going <laughs> to whip this out. And I'll be like, yeah, okay, fine. I'll just, you know, keep keep my fandom to myself and keep making different kinds of documentaries. Um but it's just like one foot kind of kept going in front of the other and, and it became the story that I got to tell. So I'm really excited to be you know, sort of shepherding it through. That is so exciting. You mentioned about having meeting fangirls who were your age, who had had um, a relationship with Star Wars since the very beginning. Um, when you were younger, and I know that you saw Star Wars when it first came out in 1977, were mm. there a lot of other girls um, that you talked to about Star Wars or was it really just you and the boys or or even just you in some cases? You know, I know that there were other girls because in 
talking with women for this film, I'm talking with all, it's interesting that I was four when it came out. And then the next year when I was five and my birthday's in June. So like I had just turned five, I just turned Mm -hmm. four. And then the following year, just as I turned five and it was like in re-release in the theaters, you know, you'd go to like the 10 cent matinee (laughs) and I saw it every week that next summer as the sort of like summer activity. I'm talking to all of these women who are exactly that age. Um, which, I, you know, when I look back on it, I think, wow, that was young. How can I have such strong memories of it? But it's there. Um, yeah. But at the t- so I know that there's tons of women who were huge fans at a very young age and like in their, you know, adolescence and even adulthood at the time the film came out. I wouldn't have known that at the time because, yeah, absolutely. It was not a thing that I felt like I had conversations with folks about. Um what I did have was a really close relationship with my younger brother. And so it was a thing that he and I shared. And and he, of course, because he's four and a half years younger than me, he kind of came to it at Return of the Jedi. And I got to then be the person to kind of pass it along mm-hmm. because I, I had been there since the beginning and got to be kind of the expert in it. Um, and then as I got older and as, you know, there's that awareness of what's gender appropriate, I, I definitely, you know, look, I was an oddball anyway. I think a lot of us in geekdom. Um, yes, <laughs> all, just a little bit. <laughs> one of our more axes of feeling a little outside of the norm or kind of like off the bell curve. Um, and so it just felt like another one of the ways that I didn't quite fit in with other folks. Um because I certainly failed a lot of what felt like the kind of gender normative tests for um, for like adolescent girldom. Uh, and so being a being a kind of giant nerd felt like just par for the course at that point. <laughs> um, it's funny that you mentioned that because my mom also saw I've been talking with her recently uh, since it's the 40th anniversary of Star Wars and everything about her experience watching Star Wars and part of me thinks the reason not the reason but one of the reasons why young women and girls fans felt a little ostracized is because there wasn't a lot of merchandise that were marketed Mm. for them in the time and you know there's all this you know we always (laughs) refer to like the underoos and like all this really fun stuff for boys Mm -hmm. that came out but there's nothing that was back then for girls and I'm very pleased to see a lot of female oriented merchandise or like gender neutral merchandise coming out for um, in present day Star Wars films. Um, but my next question is, what are some challenges that you faced as a woman making a film about fangirls? I think that the, the challenges I'm feeling with this project are the same as the challenges I just feel like as a woman making film. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that is that I you know, you just, I'm acutely aware of how few of us there are and also how many of us show up in documentary, not in narrative filmmaking. And I think that there's something to that, right? Like I, I, I also produce my own work. I produce the work of others. I have a distribution company that I do um, educational distribution through. Like a part of how I was able to access filmmaking was to say, okay, great. I'm going to get in there and kind of own the means of production and do the thing where I don't have to be entrusted with a project. I don't have to play play that game of someone of a studio saying, we're going to bring you in. I'll go in and fund my own stuff. And that's how I'll get it made. And um, certainly the advent of digital allowed for this. But you know, these are things that were done without any role models, really, for me to be able to like, look at and say, this is how women make film. Mm -hmm. And 
and I think there's a there's like a parallel process around how seriously you're taken. So I do feel like fangirls aren't taken seriously. We're not taken seriously as nerds. Um, you know, there's this sense of like we're not in it for the right reasons or the same reasons, or yes. we can't throw down with the facts. And and um, and then in, there's a parallel process in film, right? Which is that like you know girls are somehow craft and men are fine art that we we don't have the discipline or the you know the sort of science savvy to do this gear intensive thing mm -hmm. um and so that that undercurrent of the ritual devaluation of women absolutely just impacts you know it's a, it's the palm olive of culture we're all soaking in it i'm using a kind of antiquated commercial reference there but <laughs> um but i feel like those things then kind of layer up and it's interesting because my fangirldom has been a part of my life my whole life um i might not always lead with it and i think for the same reason a lot of the professional women i talk with don't lead with their fangirldom because it does seem like a thing that might make someone not take you quite as seriously if, mm -hmm. if it's just like yep i have two graduate degrees in clinical psychology and I've got a production company and I, you know, make feature length documentary films and I, you know, make Star Wars Legos. And I most recently won the super fan trivia contest on the Star, uh, the Disney cruise with the Star Wars Day at Sea that I took with my awesome. mom in February. And like, I feel like those Congrats. are rights, right? But also like, do I lead with that? I don't, I don't. Cause I feel like it'll somehow make me like, taken less seriously uh, mm -hmm. um, and, and I feel like women filmmakers are taken less seriously um, and you know part of how I know that is if I'm out on a location and I'm shooting nine times out of ten I rarely have like cisgendered dudes in my crews I just really love working with crews that are um, like women of all gender experiences gender non-binary folks lots of queer folks like these are my crews it's a it's an awesome mm -hmm. working group um, sound is notoriously hard to find folks that aren't just sort of like cis guys to work in. Right. And so very often, like my sound guy or like nominally my boom operator, like you met my brother, my wonderful brother who I love. Oh, who yeah, is six, we did. He's huh? six, yeah, five, yeah. six foot five. So he's like the best boom operator in the world. He <laughs> just holds the thing at waist height and it's like feet above someone's head. But um, overwhelmingly, if I'm shooting in public, and someone wants to come up and ask what the film is about, they'll ask my boom operator. They'll find the one cis dude on my crew and look to him as if it's his it's his shoot and ask oh him what God. the film is about. Um, and, you know, it's, I'm like, well, are you going to turn around and ask me for a cup of coffee? Like, what's the next step here, guys? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, this is, you know, it, it just doesn't register to folks. Um, so, so this is a very long answer to say, like, it's, it's, this, it's rolling the same boulder uphill with a fangirl project as it is with any project. Um, and that is that we're funding stuff ourselves. We tend to come from communities that are not tremendously funded. I'm running a Kickstarter right now. And I keep thinking about a few years back, the guys that put like potato salad up on Kickstarter and, you know, like <laughs> made six yes. digits in two days because everyone was like potato salad. Yeah. And in this way that I'm like that disposable income right there, kids, that's, yes. <laughs> that's what it's like when you make a, the full dollar and when you, you know, when you're making that 79 cents to a dollar, you spend your money differently and our <laughs> fundraising is different and the risks people take on this are different. So it's, it's all of those things. So I'm definitely aware of the process shows up on camera and it shows up in the behind the camera as well. For sure. We can totally attest to the struggles as what it's like to be a fangirl and have their voice being taken seriously. It's, it's an mm. uphill battle. Um, but you said before that you lead with a question when you're filming. 
What is the question? Well, it's often two or three pretty open-ended questions. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just to give like a, it's a question about the phenomenon, right? So I'll often ask, how did you first come to Star Wars? Right, the same questions you're asking me actually, which is pretty <laughs> awesome. Um, so like, what's your entry point, right? Because the generational entry point is so interesting. Um, and then I'll often ask the sort of like, you know, what's your favorite character? What's the thing that you are the most, you know, sort of compelled by? And I'll ask a question about um, the significance of Star Wars in their life. Like, how has this fandom showed up for you? In answering those three questions, I'll get my next 10 follow-up questions. And my goal is to follow the person that I'm interviewing. Because if my questions are a little too rigid or specific or directional, they will answer what I want. But the I might miss something that's actually more important to the person I'm talking to because I didn't actually know it was there. So I try to... I try to create as welcoming a a sort of field as possible Mm -hmm. and then listen carefully and ask follow-up questions based on that. And of course, I'm also always listening as I do more and more interviews to the places where folks are saying things that are similar and the places where folks are saying things that are very different because Mm -hmm. it's interesting to explore those areas of commonality and those areas where we experience more kind of diversity and experience. I think um, when you're talking about kind of making those those follow up questions after you've asked those first couple of questions that are pretty straightforward for everyone, you know, like what's your favorite character and stuff and really making a welcoming environment. I know Charlotte and I talked about that after we interviewed with you. It was just I felt like you were just the warmest person, one of the warmest people we had met throughout the whole convention. I just felt like I knew you immediately and felt your passion for this project. Um, it was something that was so obvious in how you spoke to everyone and, and the questions you asked and just the way you carried yourself um, was, was just really lovely um, and just made the experience so much better um, after being a part of it. Um, but I know you were interviewing people at Celebration, but are you gonna be interviewing more people? What, where are you in the process of this film? We are in, and thank you for all of that, by the way. That's wonderful <laughs> to hear. That's like exactly what I would love to hear. And I never take for yeah. granted how sort of nerve wracking it is to have someone point a camera in your face. And like even more <laughs> so when it's a camera and like a few lights, right? So yeah, I, I get how like inorganic that process is. And, and the goal is definitely to make it as comfortable as possible. I'm in the middle of filming. We're in the middle of filming. Um, and actually Celebration was completely grand. We're doing a lot more filming folks in their own environment. Um, and we're traveling around to do that and we're you know simultaneously fundraising at the same time as we film so a, a bit of where we go will be determined by how much we're able to you know sort of like budget and create for for filming for instance I'm talking with folks in Pakistan I've got a wow. wonderful Gosh. Mexico City that I'd love to be able to go and talk to so like really compelling stories that are outside of the United States and Europe that would be wonderful yeah. to- bring to this conversation. Um, but you know, like we gotta, we gotta fly me halfway across the world to do that um, with a little bit of gear. So, so that's yeah. the all scope, but then also traveling around the US. Um, I'm really hoping to have our, um, our main filming, our main interviews all completed within this year. Um, like kind of before or by December would be great. You know, mm-hmm. is my personal goal to like walk in on opening night of The Last Jedi and just like put my feet up and eat my popcorn and get ready to see it six times that weekend <laughs> and be totally relaxed that I've like got everything in the can and I can start post-production at the new year. Yes, yes that's my goal. <laughs> <laughs> will, I, will I make that goal? Eh. You know, it's just, <laughs> film, film is aspirational. Um, 
but we have a, I have a good sense of who our kind of primary participants are. That does not mean that folks who feel like they really have something to offer shouldn't get in touch with us. Um, there's a form on the website on lookingforlea.com that if people are interested in sharing their stories or sharing resources, if folks, you know, are um, people who work in film behind the scenes, you know, all of those things. We love, we love hearing from you. And then as the project sort of forms, I'm really hoping to make a call for fan generated video selfies, voiceovers, photographs, just to be able to incorporate some sort of montage element, because I do think that no matter who we put on screen, the vastness of women's fandom in Star Wars would be impossible to actually depict through interviews because, you know, it would be like, it, it would be like an epic multiple episode series <laughs> because yeah. we don't have time in like, you know, 80 minutes <laughs> to get all of that in. So, so that's, that's the progress, the process as it goes now. And, and certainly folks can kind of keep an eye on social media and on our website where mm -hmm. we hope to be doing updates as well to, to give folks more real time ideas of, of what we're, what we're doing and where we're at. Well, I loved what you said about international fans because Star Wars is, I mean, it, it's mythology at this point almost. It's so subversive, subversive to almost every culture, it seems like. Mm. There are very few people that, that don't know what Star Wars is. Yeah. And I think that's just a testament to all of the characters um, throughout this film, um, throughout these trilogies. So to be able to talk to people from around the world, I think to talk to women around the world and see what these films have meant to them, I think is so important. Um, were you able to talk to any international fans at Celebration or are you still kind of compiling those types of interviews? I'm compiling those interviews. I've definitely spoken with a lot of women who have um, stories of immigration and experience mm -hmm. of living cross-culturally. Um, and so like women who were like born outside of the United States, had their childhoods outside of the United States, and then moved to the U.S. and their love of Star Wars either moved with them or they came to the U.S. and um, sort of established the love of Star Wars here. Although in most cases, actually, it's, it's the, the, the love of Star Wars followed them on the journey. Um, and I do I love find that. it's amazing, right? And, and you know, mm -hmm. as, a psych as a psychologist, certainly one of the great curiosities that I've got is like, why does this set of stories serve us so well? And, mm -hmm. and it is a deeply emotional connection. Um, and I think this is actually across gender. I don't know that guys get the cultural permission to talk about their emotions maybe as much as women do. Right. But I, I think there is a way in which these things are cross-cultural because they are speaking to really fundamental um, like human arrangements. And, mm -hmm. and because they speak to an experience of inspiration and resilience. And those are the stories that folks are connecting to and playing out. Um, and so I'm, I'm, I'm just, I have tremendous interest in hearing the kind of breadth of what women have to say about that. And I do think it's, you know, again, we can't hope to saturate the topic because there's just too much. What we, what I'm hoping to do is um, show some snapshots Right. And, and peak interest. And then, you know, and then maybe somebody wants me to make a series out of this, because how great would it be to have just like 20 minutes a week <laughs> to, to get into some like serious, like, you know, fangirldom because so great <laughs> really, really good stories in all of them. I was just about to say, how good would it be if it was a, like a full fledged series? I would love that. I'd watch that okay. all the time. <laughs> well, it's like, like a her 
her universe does the fangirl of the day. Um, yep. And it's just these little snippets. They've been doing it for over a year now, every day, highlighting a new fangirl um, and what they love, both Star Wars and outside of the Star Wars universe. So to be able to even have an opportunity to delve a little deeper into women around the world and at all different stages of life, I think would be it, it would be amazing, to say the least. <laughs> And again, I think we have this great parallel process in that um, because one of the struggles, one of the things that I think girls and women get to, to kind of navigate and come up against is a struggle for visibility. And mm -hmm. the more like intersections of identity a person experiences, the more that visibility is fraught. And so just by virtue of putting a lens on girls and women's experiences mm -hmm. and bringing that visibility to the table, um, I think we're doing something really revolutionary. And it's been it's an interesting time to be doing this. Right. Like I'll be completely transparent in saying that I got serious about making this movie um, shortly before the presidential election in 2016. And a huge part of it was self-care for me because I had just come off of a project that was, um, you know, emotionally extremely challenging and in which we lost a few of the participants in the course of making it. And there was a yeah, tremendous okay. grieving process. And it was just like, it was a lot. And I really felt like I don't know, um, I don't know how to go forward and actually make another film after this. And stepped toward this thing that was joyous and wanted to do this thing that felt like, okay, I can do a gender justice project that's actually about celebration and resilience um, and is fun, right? Which I think is also this nice parallel with when Star Wars, when A New Hope itself came out in 1977 and we were pretty saturated in like a post-Vietnam, pretty gritty, violent, dark era in American cinema. It was the celebratory and joyous nature of this film that drew audiences to it. So I'm, I'm hoping that we're kind of stepping in a similar path with this project, right? We could all use, yeah. I think, a little something delightful right now. Yes. Um, yes. And, um, and then it's been interesting to watch everything that's come up with Patty Jenkins and Wonder Woman. Oh, and we are um, so excited. Oh it's my so gosh. excited, right? But then also, like, it is clearly a really big deal for a woman to helm a tent pole film. Yes. And, and seeing just that visibility has been such a lightning rod. Mm -hmm. um, in ways that are incredibly celebratory and also like clearly just the giant troll picnic. <laughs> like, oh, that is such a nice waiting. way to put it. <laughs> I'm like, y'all have been waiting all year for this. Like I see oh you on that bridge wanting to come out and just like, you know, be trolly. So it's, um, <laughs> you know, the, the culture is giving us all kinds of opportunities to say, oh yeah, this is totally pertinent right now. We should all be talking about this. Well, it's interesting you talk about um, how you really kind of got on the ground running with this project around the presidential election. Um, what I wanted to know is, that, you know, how did the death of Carrie Fisher change the nature of this film? Because that was obviously that happened shortly after. So it sounds yeah. like it sounds like you and your team were going through a lot during that time. So did did her death kind of change what was happening? Did it um kind of push you even further to really get this done to really start it? Or what was that process like? I think it did. I mean, it was, it did serve ultimately as a tremendous catalyst. Mm -hmm. um, I think like so many people, and it's been an amazing to just hear people's stories of how they experienced that loss. Um, I was just gutted. I was just gutted. Like I, I really 
everything we you know we've I think said a lot about how how rotten 2016 was, um, mm-hmm. and there was so much loss of significant culture makers throughout that year, and then there was this kind of like for many of us really devastating and terrifying presidential election um, that was like an emotional blow, right? It wasn't an intellectual blow; it was a genuine concern around loss of safety, um, yeah. and that. Then to have at the very end of the year Carrie Fisher um, pass was, um, you know, I felt really, it felt like an unrecoverable blow to me. My early sort of concept for the film is that I wanted to road trip around talking with women about their fandom. And um, I felt fairly confident that I was going to be able to get to Carrie Fisher's people and that after seeing what we had kind of assembled together these interviews, she would be very happy to talk on film with me. Mm-hmm. Um, this is my kind of... I'm sure she would have. I, I feel like... Yeah. I, 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 I know fully believe the way she, that she yeah. would. Yeah. She would have been all about that. Absolutely. So at the end, so when she passed, I just had the sense of like, well, the film has gone with her. And it was actually, and I had tickets to um, Celebration already. And I was just like, I'm not going to Celebration. I'm not doing this project. You know, I'm not getting out from under the covers for another like month. Mm-hmm. And my, par- my partner was actually like, you, you actually need to do this film now. Like this is, this is actually a really incredible and important time to do this film. And more than ever, I think women who connect with Star Wars and the Looking for Leia concept, that title was already, the working title was already where we were at, but it was pivoting it then to be able to move forward, um, feeling the, I think an, a sense of urgency and a sense of like, all right, no, we're, we're all seeing each other. Like we're really seeing each other now. Let's make sure that we have a, an even grander stage on which to be able to watch that. I'm I'm really really excited for this film and I'm so happy that you're making it and spotlighting all these amazing voices and um, I want to give our audience a chance to go online right now and pledge some money for your Kickstarter. Um, could you tell us a little bit about that? You bet. So, um, you know, of course, everyone's favorite part of both filmmaking and waiting for films to come out is the crowd is the crowdsource fundraising, right? <laughs> um, like it's, you know, just it's obviously the most fun. Um, and I cannot have my tongue more firmly planted in my cheek as I say that. But, um, <laughs> you know, I think that you know, we are not like so many fan derived projects. We are not licensed by or affiliated with Lucasfilm or Disney in any way. Um, And we are self-funded, right? Like we're making a project about this amazing worldwide pop culture phenomena, but we are not actually doing so with the kind of commercial um, oomph (laughs) that this phenomenon actually gets to experience. So we really are a collaboratively created fan-driven project. So if folks go to our website, which is lookingforleia.com, if they've not had the chance to see the reel that we put together at, Ce- at Celebration in Orlando this past April, that is there on the website. And there is also a link to our Kickstarter page. And the Kickstarter is where you can pledge some money and get some cool perks to make sure that we're able to actually travel around the country. And if we can get over our goal, which you know, we set a pretty modest filmmaking goal, if we can exceed that, then we get to like you know actually get out of the U.S., and get to speak with an even broader group of women, which we think would be incredibly important and exciting. 
Uh, and there's some amazing Star Wars artists, fan artists that have contributed to the uh, to the campaign. Um, the like fifty dollar force wielder level. I will also say I'm quite proud of my categories <laughs> <laughs> as, a, as a force wielder. In addition to getting your name at the end credit. Um, and getting, we're going to do a photo gallery on the website. So we're totally like bringing, give us your, you know, your fandom photos. So we can keep, get that up on the, on the website, on, in our gallery. We're doing a six pack of postcards from Whimsy Design and Illustration. I was just actually exchanging emails with Alyssa from Whimsy Design yesterday. The custom made looking for Leia art gave me goosebumps and makes me choke up and cry a little bit. Oh um, my gosh. I can't actually like, I, I'm going to, she's going to do a video and we're going to tease it in about a week or two. Um, but the theme is that women built this rebellion and it's a real celebration of all of these female characters throughout star Wars that are just like fierce and amazing. Um, and, wow. <laughs> yeah, and it's like, there's like really like some good stuff. I've got some lino cuts up there. We've got some really like fun sort of t-shirt packages. If you're like me, the whole Poe Finn ship is your favorite thing in the world. <laughs> um, and so we've got like a some pilots love stormtroopers get over it shirt with a little <laughs> with like the hand stamped friendship slash love necklaces. One says, uh, you need a pilot. The other says, I need a pilot. Oh my gosh. Like, <laughs> these kinds That's of like, really very, and um, some really beautiful uh, Carrie Fisher memorabilia as well. Um, Kelly Brinker did this beautiful custom art um, of Carrie's desired obit, which is that she drowned in moonlight, strangled by her own bra. Mm-hmm. There's a beautiful t-shirt and tote bag that have that. And the, the O's in Moonlight are little Death Stars. Um, it's it's you, you can see people's passion in what folks have donated. We have some um, autographed books coming up that are going to be one of the new additions. We have a, a high-end cosplay consultation coming up. So people can keep an eye on the Kickstarter as well wow. to see when new perks get added. Because, again, everyone loves a Kickstarter. <laughs> Everybody loves fundraising and we're trying to keep it like fun and engaging um, for, for folks as well. I donated today. So like everyone listening should go check it out. (laughs) And that is on my to-do list for when we're done with this interview. So once this goes up, Charlotte and I will have both donated. Um, I think, I think it is, I think it's so incredible to have this film that is all about fangirls, the community of fangirls, really getting a spotlight, um, really getting center stage for for the first time, really, in, in a really big way. And the fact that this same community will be funding this film, um, I think is I think is incredible and just so special and, and one of a kind. And like we've already said, completely necessary uh, for where we are right now in the world. And just like you said, just a delightful film that's really going to celebrate everything that is that is so special about fangirls and especially Star Wars fangirls. But uh, for our last question, Annalise, um, Charlotte and I always like to ask people who they would take to their Star Wars dinner. Um, And basically the Star Wars dinner is you can choose five people alive or not characters in the films or um, people like George Lucas um, who would come to your personal Star Wars dinner. Um, And the object is to have great conversation. So we always like to ask our guests who they would most like to sit down with and have dinner. I love this question so much. This is such a great <laughs> question. It can only be five, right? That's an intimate dinner yeah. party. So uh-huh. yep, here, only five. <laughs> here's my here's my ideal conversational dinner party. Um, and because it's like, you know, fantasy, right? We get to like split things up. So yes. I would yeah. like 
clearly guest of honor is going to be Carrie Fisher, but I would love, because Carrie talked so passionately about being Leia's guardian, I'd like Carrie Fisher with Hoft Princess Leia to both be there because I feel like they don't get the chance to just like have conversations with each other. And I feel like that'd be a kind of amazing conversation. Um, And also really surreal, right? So um, Carrie Fisher- A little trippy. (laughs) Yeah. And, and Hoth Leia, she would be in in the like snowsuit because that's also my favorite <laughs> costume. And I'm like, let's let's just like ask people to dress a certain way. Um, I would like Kara um, Syndulla to be there. She's like everyone's favorite space mom, and I feel like she deserves a break. Like, how amazing would it be to get to talk with Hera when she's not having to like keep the crew of the Ghost in check and like do all of this work? Yes. Like, I want to see her be able to take her boots off and like let her let coup free and just like <laughs> relax for a moment um and then Maz Kanata and Chewie who I I like to imagine go to things together all the time I want them to <laughs> right yeah. I I'm obsessed with this idea of Carrie Fisher and Princess Leia at dinner together yeah. like they would both just talk about their relationships with Harrison and Han and it would it would be so crazy um yeah. But it's so funny after the, so we've done this a couple times with guests on our show and people repeatedly now have said that they'll bring certain characters to their dinners just because they feel like that character like really deserves a good meal. Right? Um, like Kara and Ray, um, right. like they really just need like a good meal. <laughs> Seriously though, like, like fighting for survival and like battling the empire, this is hard work. And you just want to like, you watch these things and you go on these journeys and you're like, oh, Oh, I just want to give those folks a break. (laughs) (laughs) Blue milk punch, you know, a nice roast, something like that. (laughs) I love it. Five course meals. It'll it'll be great. It'll be great. (laughs) Exactly. If you could just plug um, where people can find you once again, um, that would be great, Annalise. Absolutely. We love being able to stay connected with folks on social media. So please follow us on Twitter. We have a pretty baby Twitter account. It's only been alive since March. Uh, it's <laughs> at Leia Fangirl Film, all one word, at Leia Fangirl Film. You can also find us on the interwebs at www.lookingforleia.com. We're on Facebook at facebook.com slash lookingforleia. Uh, folks are welcome to reach out and connect with me uh, personally on the tweets as well. It's at Dr. Underscore Ophelian. You can also find me on the Looking for Leia Twitter page and uh, please do stay in touch with us like I say this is a very much a project by and for uh, fans and we love being able to stay in touch with the folks that we're really making the film for and um, about well thank you so much again Annalise this has meant the world to us um, already we just feel so connected to this film and so privileged to to have this film even be made in the first place as fangirls. Um, I know I speak for both of us. Um, so thank you again so much. We really appreciate you taking time to come on our show. Thank you both. You're both so wonderful. May the force be with you. May the, May the force, force be with you. you. All right. Welcome back to part two. And in this segment, we're going to be talking about the possibility of Leia being recast in episode nine. Now, obviously, this is something that's been circulating circulating around the internet since last December when, you know, Carrie Fisher tragically passed away. Um, and I think everyone has had an opinion on this. Right, Charlotte? Yeah. I think it's, before we jump in, I think it's worth talking about how it's a really tough topic that, like, mm-hmm. no one wants to deal with. Oh, you yeah. know, it's it's awful and no one, it's, it's, even, it's really hard for me to put into words, like, people we would have to talk about this in terms of story and it's like yeah. we we don't really 
want to ever have to talk about this with any character, especially Princess Leia, especially Carrie Fisher. Yeah. I think it's important to remember that there is no good answer, that no matter what route Lucasfilm ends up taking, it's it's not a good one because because it sucks that we have to do this. Yeah, for you know, sure. and I think as fans, we have to we have to be cognizant of that that we're not going to like any of these options because it means that Carrie Fisher isn't with us anymore, and that's mm-hmm. just the reality we're having. We have to live in now, and it sucks, and it's terrible, and so sad. But like Lucasfilm has to make a decision about what to do. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not like they can just sit on their hands for the next year and a half. And like I'm sure they are, and I'm sure they obviously you know took a, a little bit of time to deal with the tragic passing and then mm-hmm. came back and probably talked to Billy and Todd all about Did they you know talk to Todd I don't know Todd had very different ideas about what was happening <laughs> I know but about what they should do and mm-hmm. but so Caitlin I guess we should start with a question do you think Leia should be recast Oh gosh. I I don't think so. And I don't think I want Leia recast because I mean Carrie Fisher is Princess Leia. It's I mean, I know some people were drawing kind of similarities, very loose similarities between uh Star Wars and Harry Potter with Dumbledore when that actor passed away and they replaced him with another actor. Um, because Dumbledore was such an integral part of the story, right? Um, mm-hmm. I mean, Harry Potter had the books that they were going off of, whereas Star Wars does not. But like I said, mm-hmm. kind of a loose comparison. Yeah, but, because they had to continue that story because Dumbledore. Yeah. It was just like the also there was eight, you know, they were making eight movies. So yeah. that was I think the original Dumbledore was only in the first two. Right. So. Right. I think so. Yeah. I think, yeah, so, I think that's right. It was it wasn't. It's not, it's it wasn't not the like majority of the films. Exactly. Exactly. I, sorry. Continue. That was really what I was saying. Um, whereas Carrie Fisher has been this custodian of Leia for 40 years now. That's a long time. And I mean, people talk about all the time how intrinsically linked Carrie Fisher and Princess Leia are. They are one another. And there was that I wish I could remember it verbatim, but there was that fabulous quote from Carrie Fisher about finding out that she was going to be Princess Leia. And she talks about how she, like, went out. Yeah. Yeah, how she, like, went out into the rain. And she was like, I I was going to be Princess Leia for forever. And I had no idea how long forever was or something like that. Mm -hmm. And it's just, like, to imagine someone else portraying her, the kind one, the kind of pressure that Lucasfilm would be under to find someone to do that (laughs) sort of justice so true. It would be ridiculous. <laughs> I would not want that job. <laughs> the, I mean, the question that's underneath all this, because I, I fully agree with you. I think I personally don't think Leia should be recast. I think that Lucasfilm, in their storytelling, can figure out a way to give her a proper send-off, a proper ending. We don't know what's in store for episode eight, yeah. but... I think the question underneath this is if do we have faith in Lucasfilm to give her a proper ending? And I do. I, yeah. I, I think I do. And like I said, no one wants to deal with this. And mm-hmm. it's clear that Lucasfilm is going to, you know, make the best of what they have. They keep talking about how Carrie's portrayal is amazing and in The Last Jedi. And 
I fully agree and I mean agree. I haven't seen the movie, but I know it's gonna be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> that one shot of her in the trailer, man. Amazing. Oscar worthy. Oscar worthy. <laughs> I think, I mean, the question that I keep going back and forth with is between do we think that Leia, that that the character of Princess Leia should be killed off in whether that's in episode eight or episode nine, or if she should be mentioned in the film like, oh, Leia is on, you know, whatever system taking care of such and such while the rest of the story goes on. If they can pull that off in a way that's not cheap, I think that'll be great because I don't want it to be like, oh, Leia's just over there. I mean, we just went a whole movie without Luke Skywalker, essentially. And it wasn't that yeah. big of a deal. You know, we were really, really Speak focused on the new... <laughs> but you have to agree with me. Like, uh, no, 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 there no, was, no. Like, I do. From a story standpoint, yes. Yeah. So I, I think that potentially there is a way to have Leia outside of episode nine, but still have the... Epi- the you know, she be alive in the film. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, this kind of goes against like her involvement in the Kylo Ren redemption arc. Cough, cough. So that's <laughs> that's really the disappointing thing in yeah. my head from a story perspective is because we have to deal with this fact that the Kylo Ren redemption that Caitlin and I both see is happening I really wanted Leia to be an integral part of that redemption, given that yeah, Kylo's father is now dead. It and now I don't think that's going to happen. So maybe they'll write Luke's part into that more, which could work and probably would work. Maybe even better, some would argue, than Carrie because Luke essentially raised Ben Solo. You know, given yeah. that he was with training with Luke for so long. Um, I don't know. I, that was very ranty, but (laughs) (laughs) I just think that there are, there's a lot to be done and I don't, I think that it would be really, really awful is if, if episode nine opened with like an opening crawl that just was like general Leia Organa is dead. Like no one wants that. And I think that would be so cheap. Yeah, no, absolutely not. I think what I've been thinking about actually since we had our last discussion about Rebels Rising and we were talking about the timeline of Jin and how mm-hmm. we have all of the parts of Jin's timeline filled in, it gave it, it got me thinking about Leia and how I think in to some degree I like the idea of knowing where Leia's story ends. I like the idea of Carrie Fisher being her her final custodian. You know, and of knowing, I, I don't, I guess I don't really like the idea of Leia being out in the galaxy somewhere, but we're never going to get to, to see what she's doing again. Yeah. And maybe that's, maybe that's selfish that I want, I want to know the end of Leia's story if, mm-hmm. if this needs to be the end. Um, but I, I don't know. I keep thinking about that, how I might, and I hate to say that, that I want to see Princess Leia dead because that's. That's not it at all. It's like I don't I don't want to have Princess Leia out there and not be able to get to her, I guess, in the galaxy. Yeah. And I think there's something to be said from a story standpoint, if you're trying to look at it objectively, of having a full character's timeline and being mm-hmm. able to say this is where she started in the movies and this is where she ended in the movies. And yeah, yeah that's not where we originally sure. planned, but 
kind of the nature of, of reality of what happened. But at the same time, when I think about that, I think about how if if Leia, if the character of Leia does die in episode eight or episode nine, you as an audience and as people who love Carrie Fisher, we would want that moment before her death. You know what I mean? To see how all of that played out. And we wouldn't get that because that's not how they shot the film. They don't have footage of that. You know what I mean? Yeah. It makes me... I understand the recasting argument because of this. Because I want her character to have an end. But I just don't think it would be as powerful. And then there's the other layer of the digitally recreate. Which I know everyone is like very anti. But to me... To me, I, first off, wasn't that thrown off by Leia at the end of Rogue One. I never really was. Um, And I think that it could be pretty powerful and used well if they could digitally recreate her for just one scene in Episode Nine. I I think. And then it would just be like one through thread, you know? Yeah. And I think if... The thing is, is that if Billy Lord is okay with her mother being digitally recreated for the sake of Leia's character, I think that we should all be okay with that because she probably knows what's best for her, you know, mother's love of Leia the character. Yeah. Honestly, I don't think, I don't think Carrie Fisher would mind. I know. That's the thing. She loved it. Yeah. (laughs) I think she would be like, oh, that's so trippy. Give me more. It's something like that. (laughs) And take a sip of her Coke. Like, <laughs> that's the thing. I think she would, I don't think Carrie Fisher herself would have a problem with it. It's just all of us are so sensitive to it that we would. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I think it, it's such a touchy subject. And I it just is. really hope that, and I do think that Lucasfilm will do a good job in bringing her story to have a conclusion. I hope that maybe there's a good ending point in episode eight so we don't have to be so stressed about it in episode nine about Mm. what's going to happen. Yeah. But I think we're going to be stressed. Well, that's the thing. (laughs) Do you think we're going to, it's going to be obvious whatever they're doing at the end of episode eight or are we going to have to wait until episode nine to see what happens? I don't know because they did a lot of reshoots that no one's talking about. So... (laughs) I don't know if that has to do with it, or the rewrites or anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, is it December yet? Honestly, I'm ready. The, I mean, like we said at the beginning of the segment, there is no good answer to this. It's just a sucky thing we have to talk about. But I think I think it it's a good thing to discuss because, you know, maybe I was going to say maybe this isn't, you know, the end of our woes as Star Wars fans, which I don't want to put that yeah. out into the universe. Okay, wow, guys, just a side note, it started, it just started torrential downpouring here at my house, which means it's probably coming for you soon, Charlotte. So mm. if you can hear rain <laughs> in the background, that is nature outside, <laughs> just so you all know. Um, okay, but back to Leia anyway. Um, this, this isn't a fun thing to talk about. Um, and I think, like I said, I think as fans, we just have to realize that a decision has to be made and it's not going to please everyone. And I think we just have to trust that Lucasfilm and Carrie Fisher's family are all doing everything they can to make sure that the character of Princess Leia is handled respectfully for both Carrie Fisher's memory 
and for the legacy of the character herself. Those are two really hard things to, to balance for them. So I'm sure they're doing everything they can to, to give her the, the justice she deserves. And with that, I think we're going to wrap up segment two, and we will see you all on the flip side for part three. Welcome back to part three. Um, let's just jump right into it to talk all about Leia in canon besides the films. So, Caitlin, how do you think Leia is represented outside the films? I think she's getting a lot more representation outside the films, which is really great. Um, Yes. I think, obviously, we're both going to say this, but Bloodline is probably our favorite representation (laughs) of Leia outside the films. (laughs) Yes. I have it in my hands. (laughs) I know. So do I. (laughs) I love it. And I think... We've talked about this before on the podcast. We won't dive too deep in our love of Bloodline, but I really do think that it gives Leia so much attention and really ties a lot of loose ends from what we didn't get from her in Return of the Jedi. Mm -hmm. Um, Her dealing with her emotions about being a Skywalker and how that affects her own political plans. I think that we learn a lot about Leia's character in bloodline it's amazing and we highly recommend it we won't talk too spoiler spoilery about it bloodline does does a lot to give you time with leia for her to process mm-hmm. those emotions um and it has um Casterfo in it so yes so it's great <laughs> that's like the bff friendship of the decade <laughs> yeah I, 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 I love him um so thank you claudia gray again <laughs> We are very excited for your Leia, Princess of Alderaan novel. If you're listening, which I'm sure you're not, but... I'm sure she is. <laughs> um, Everyone, but... Claudia Gray, that she should listen to Sky Talkers because we talk about got... her a lot. I actually got to talk to her when I was a guest on Podcast 66. You yeah. You guys check it out. And I was, like, trying my hardest not to fangirl because I love Claudia Gray so much. And we talked uh-huh. about fan fiction and... Oh, man. (laughs) Anyway. You guys talked about fan fiction, and it gave me life. (laughs) (laughs) That's kind of my cardinal rule. Like, I don't talk about fan fiction, but then I had to with Claudia Gray. But anyway, um, we are very excited for the Young Leia novel. I think that we're going to see a lot of good stuff in there because it's part of the journey to Star Wars The Last Jedi Mm -hmm. novel series. So I feel like we're actually going to get a lot of good juicy details out of that. Um, And I can't wait to see that stage of Leia, even though we actually have seen that stage of Leia kind of in Rebels. Because, you know, I feel like no one talks about this because no one was like that thrilled with her representation in Rebels or like the voice actress I suppose but I actually really enjoyed that episode I thought I thought it was really good to see um Leia in action yeah I loved that I did like that aspect of it like many others I wasn't super jazzed with the voice actress who did it I can't remember who did it but again Carrie Fisher is a really hard persona to nail down yeah, so, for sure. She's, like, iconic. So yeah, it's, so, it's mean, hard. <laughs> no one's going to be perfect at it. Um, what kind of threw me off the most was that Leia and Ezra were supposed to be the same age. Or I know. And she was, about. like, so much – she seemed like she was so much older than that. Yeah, that was what really threw me off about her, which, I mean, I 
guess I understand that Leia is a princess. She'd grown up with all of this, um, like, etiquette and ways to hold yourself and conduct yourself in a very regal manner. So, of course, that's going to make her seem eons more mature than Ezra. Um, but she just she just seems a lot older than him. Um, yeah, their birthdays are the same, Empire yeah. Day. They so should it's, have done something with Ezra or, like, given Leia a moment of some some childishness with Ezra to I kind know. of bring them together more or, like, had Ezra step it up a whole lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Something. <laughs> but it was fun to see Leia in action. I thought that was just a really fun little episode, and I'm glad that we got it, you know? Yeah. It's interesting because I always think about how – I guess when we're talking about importance of characters from the original trilogy, how, like, we got to see Leia in Rebels, but not necessarily Luke or Han Solo. It's almost like they have more reverence for those characters that they'll only ever be represented in film. I don't know. I think that Leia has an obvious link to the Rebel Alliance, so it felt like an easy choice. You know that Dave doesn't just do these things lightly by crossing character paths. That's true. Um, I think that it made a lot of sense, actually. But I, I understand that argument that it was kind of like shoehorned in there. and Yeah. But, but I don't know. I think it worked. I think I, it, it was exactly what I wanted. <laughs> <You know? laughs> don't get me wrong. I love seeing Leia um, really at, at, in any medium. Mm-hmm. But part of me is like, I like having those characters reserved for film. And then the other part of me is like, I want to see all of those characters across every single medium all the time. Same. (laughs) So it's like head and heart, man. What do you do? (laughs) So let's talk about the comic, the Princess Leia comic. So there's like a short, I think it's five issues, right, Caitlin? Yeah, it came out in 2015. Yeah, of Princess Leia um, Marvel edition. Um, before we dive into this, I have to tell this like really cringy story. Get ready to cringe, guys. (laughs) So after it had all been released, Caitlin and I had just decided that we were going to dive straight into comics and we didn't really know anything. We'd never really bought any comic books Mm -hmm. at all. And Caitlin Caitlin had gifted me a variant edition of Princess Leia. Um, because she knows my love of female characters. Yeah. I forgot that (laughs) I gave you that. Yeah, it was really nice. You're welcome. <laughs> so I had to get all four of the other ones. Um, so we tracked down this comic book shop, and it was my first time ever at a comic book shop. And I bought all four, and I had like this, my, my hands were filled with comics. Now, it was not and... just the Princess Leia comics. Oh, yeah. I don't think yeah. you understand how much Charlotte went to town at this comic book store. I got I was, some I got some too, but I think I got probably like a third of what Charlotte got. <laughs> yeah, I kind of just like got basically every single had been released Star Wars comic. I just felt like I was really behind and I had to catch up and if I wasn't gonna do it now, then when? So I did. <laughs> <laughs> so I had my hands full of a bunch of comics. And behind the counter were two bros discussing <laughs> how much and this is they worked at the comic store how much like the princess leia comic sucked and how it wasn't selling very well and it just proves that like female-led comics don't really sell here i was about to buy all of them though it was it was so embarrassing it was crazy (laughs) and i go up there and 
I didn't really say anything. And in hindsight, I wish I did. I wish I was like, yeah, look at me buying these comics, supporting these female-led stories. But I didn't, and it was just like no words were exchanged as he was ringing up my Princess Leia comic. It, it was, was weird. not a great moment. No. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I I actually really loved the Princess Leia comic. Um, what did you think? I really liked it. I read it a lot more recently than Charlotte did um, because I was reading other comics and other things. Um, but I got to the Princess Leia comic, and I really liked it. Um, I liked how it took place right after Return um, A New Hope. Um, mm-hmm. I liked how... It was about Leia kind of dealing with what happened to her planet, to Alderaan. Because um, I think that's one of the biggest things people always talk about in A New Hope. It's like, Luke lost Ben, but Leia lost her planet. Like, give the girl <laughs> some time to grieve. And I've, I've always, you saw this in Bloodline too, but this kind of reverence everyone has for Alderaan throughout mm-hmm. the entire galaxy. It's something I want to know more about. Like, people are always um, referring back to um, Bail and... Brea and what regal great people they were and um, how great Alderaan was. And I really want to see, I, I want to be on Alderaan. We will. <laughs> in Claudia yeah. Gray's book. You know, I'm, I'm so excited for it. The, uh, the, the Princess Leia comic for me did a really good job of, you know, painting Leia in this way that like people were in the Rebel Alliance were like, what did they call her? They were like, you know, ice she's princess. an ice princess. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, she doesn't have any emotions about what happened to her planet. And I love that because that was such like, <sighs> it's such a good thing to show in a female character that like, you know, if you are a bossy battle, you know, leader and you exhibit these emotions of being a leader, you're often seen as like this like ice princess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Leia wasn't yeah. like that at all, and she had to prove that. It's so annoying that she would have to do that, go out of her way. <laughs> so, Ugh. so basically, if you guys haven't read the Princess Leia comic yet, the basic structure is that it takes place right after New Hope, and Leia um, decides to go on a covert mission to rescue and bring back to the Rebel base all of the remaining Alderaanians. Alderanians. Um, Alderanians <laughs> that are spread throughout the galaxy. So she starts going to these planets where, like, tiny populations of um, people from Alderaan have lived. And she is trying to convince them to come with her back to the rebel base um, because the Empire is looking for all of them to kill out all people from Alderaan. So that's the basic structure of it. Um, but she does go on a covert mission with a character named Evan Evan. Avon? I think it's Avon. Yeah. Why can I never pronounce any names in Star Wars? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, but what? And Avon, Avon is a girl. She's not. It's not Evan, like a boy. Mm-hmm. Evan or oh, Avon? Oh my gosh! Caitlin, what are you doing to me? <laughs> You're welcome. Avon, Avon has the yellow jacket that Luke wears at the end of A New Hope, and she, it's so weird because I feel like they keep trying. They keep trying to draw parallels between her and Luke as like. You know, Leia and Yvonne are, like, this buddy duo that, like, potentially Luke and Leia are, like, this buddy duo. And I really like Yvonne. I just, it was, like, I wish they just kind of extended that a little bit more where there was this, like, linkage between these two characters that kind of 
harken back to her and Luke as like twins, you know? Yeah. I don't I maybe it's because I maybe I didn't read closely enough. I'm not used to comics or something. I don't know. I don't know if the parallel, the visual parallel to Luke really made sense to me because I don't know if I think Avon and Luke are very similar. I know. That's the thing. <laughs> and I They're both pilots, so I guess Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Who isn't a pilot in Star Wars? I know. (laughs) Finn. Finn's not a pilot. (laughs) True. True. (laughs) Very true. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's my favorite Luke outfit is the yellow jacket ensemble that he wears. So I was really excited to see Yvonne in it. But then, I don't know. I really liked her character. Um, I liked how she was this foil to Princess Leia and kind of brought Leia down to Earth at some points and Mm -hmm. was like, you keep changing the mission that we're on and it's putting other people from Alderaan at risk. Like you need to slow down and think about what you're doing. Um, I really liked her um, and Leia's relationship. But again, like the Luke parallel, I just, I didn't really understand why. (laughs) Yeah, me neither. I kept thinking, man, I wish Luke was in this scene. But I really do think that Leia, outside of the films, they give her a lot of attention into the plot holes and the parts that people are concerned about. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really great. I love it. Um, you know, they even they even deal with her in the Star Wars core comic book series, too. We're not going to touch on that because that is huge. <laughs> <laughs> but... Um, those are, that's a really good source too, um, and I'm really interested in reading the new um, mini series, The Screaming Citadel. I haven't had a chance to pick those up yet, but I'm excited. Um, but the Princess Leia comic does a really good job of bridging, I think, the Leia we see in Empire and the Leia we see in A New Hope. Um, yeah, it does. I also really like the part where they go to Naboo. <laughs> Who doesn't? But it's <laughs> so good. <laughs> that really works. And then I know the stuff with Avon looking like Luke just doesn't. It's just kind of perplexing. <laughs> it is. And if if we're missing something here, yeah, if, if you guys tweet us and are like, uh, obviously Avon is supposed to look like Luke. Here's why, and like, give us a thread about it, okay? Because <laughs> clearly we're both not picking up whatever whatever they're trying to put down in this comic book <laughs> i i too i have really liked the attention that she's been getting um from all of these different mediums both in rebels even though it wasn't my favorite um and throughout the comics and the books it really does a lot i think to flesh out the character and let us know everything that she was doing throughout all this time because leia was really active mm-hmm. um oh yeah she was a leader like in all leader all definitions of that word and the more we see of that the more her character is respected i think Mm -hmm. i am really excited for claudia gray's princess of alderaan novel um i think it's going to be really great to see her on alderaan um charlotte and i always have this running joke about brea and beru um about like who are brea and beru like no one knows who they are maybe they're these like secret superheroes or something in the star wars universe and just no one knows because they haven't been given the time of day really but hopefully we'll get to see a lot more brea too in claudia gray's new novel hope so hope so wouldn't that be great yes it would be it really would be (laughs) it would give us a lot of answers (laughs) (laughs) 
is to our running joke is Drea a secret superhero or a spy or whatever 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 Um, But I think that's going to close our discussion about Leia for this episode. And we'll be back in two weeks with another great episode, I'm sure. Thank you guys so much for listening. Please rate and review us on iTunes. It seriously helps us out. You can find us all over the internet on Twitter at SkyTalkersPod, on Instagram now, also at SkyTalkersPodcast, and on SkyTalkers.com. Don't hesitate to reach out to us with any comments about this week's episode. We really love hearing um, you guys' thoughts about what we're talking about. It's really fun for us. Also, if you like what we're doing and you want to support us, head on over to our Patreon page. Um, Starting this month, our Patreon page will be featuring additional monthly mini episodes. Um, We want to take the time to thank our patrons, Amy and Chuck. Thank you so much for listening and may the force be with you. May the force be with you. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Sky Talkers, This Galactic Life, part of the Assembly of Geeks Podcasting Network. Find the girls on skytalkers.com and we'll see you next time.